is Pastor Ingrid, and I have the privilege and honor of sharing God's word with you. And so this summer, we have been going through systematically all the one another's, you know, love one another stuff, and it's been incredible. I don't know about you guys, but it's definitely challenged me. And actually, I do know because I've been talking to many of you, and many of you have been sharing how God has been challenging you and pushing you and encouraging you to love differently to love more deeply, to serve each other. And I just am so loving watching everybody grow together while we grow. Well, today's one another. It's a juicy. You guys ready for this one? It's definitely a challenging one. It's one that kind of stirs up a lot of things in many different people. And so I'm just going to jump into it. Uh, When this one is, is properly applied, it's absolutely incredible. It's actually one of my favorite things, and you guys are going to think I'm crazy when you find out what it is, but it's actually one of my favorite things. God has grown in me a passion for this over the years. It's something I used to kind of push against, but he has grown in me something that, that uh, I never expected. But when improperly applied, this one actually can do a lot of harm. And so I ask each one of you to open your hearts and, and hear what God's word has to say about this particular one another. So you guys ready? You guys ready? All right, so I'm just going to read the scripture, and it's Ephesians 5.21. And it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. I know, it's a tough subject, isn't it? Submission. It's one that we kind of like recoil from or dance around, but it is actually an incredible thing to lean into, and when you really embrace it, it's profound what God can do. Throughout the summer, we have referenced Philippians 2 as a framework for processing the one another's. So let's talk about submitting to one another through this same framework, through the same lens, without dismissing or excusing or diminishing where this has been improperly implemented and left many of us with wounds, okay? So we don't want to dismiss that, but we want to look at this through the proper lens. And for those of you who have had submission or authority used in a wrong way, I know that this grieves God's heart because he never intended for that to happen. That's not how he created it. And I want to pray with you now, you know, before we get into this, that those those wounds will be healed. But before we pray, I want to read through Philippians 2, 1 to 8, just to help us set our hearts in the space that God has for us. Therefore, and I want you to just listen. You can close your eyes and listen to it if you like. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if under tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete in being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Do not look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. So let's pray. 
Father God, we come before you this morning. We thank you that your word so incredibly teaches us and shows us your heart. So God, even as we approach the subject of submitting to one another and submitting to you, and all that it stirs up inside of us, I pray that we would look back at this scripture that you have shared your heart with us, that we would submit to one another out of a place of servitude, out of a place of wanting to lift each other up, and that you, God, love us so much that you came and submitted yourself to the point of death so that we could have relationship with you, so that we could be freed from the power of sin and death, from the power of of wrong authority. And so, God, we bring our hearts before you. I pray where there is wounds in this area that you would heal them even now. God, that is not outside of your capacity to just come in and minister and heal. And God, we bring these things before you. We place our wrong understanding of submission and authority before you. We pray that you would set us right today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, sometimes when we have baggage tied to something, it's actually helpful to first explain what it is not. And so what submission is not, or what it's opposite of, is self-determined entitlement or hyper-individualism. So our culture elevates liberty, and it mistakenly actually believes that, you know, uh, restriction is bad, that boundaries are bad. But this is actually in the in opposition to how the kingdom of God works, isn't it? Because he calls us to serve each other, to elevate each other, to not elevate ourselves over each other and our desires over one another. And the idea that restrictions are bad is actually a lie since personal and relational growth thrives within healthy boundaries and limits, doesn't it? When you put up healthy boundaries and limits, that's where we thrive and that's where relationships thrive. So in areas where we have had people misuse submission in our lives or where we have used submission or authority wrong, we can see this at work, can't we? It's usually from a place of entitlement where we think we're owed something or something somebody thinks we owe them something. And that's not how God works. And this is all the more reason why we need to allow God to change us and shape us every day, don't we? because we will always lean in that direction. We will always lean in the direction of, I want my way. We need to let God work in this. And submission is such a scary topic, isn't it? How many of you find submission a scary topic? Yeah. It it touches on things we don't want to look at. It causes us to feel all uncomfortable, you know, and kind of like we want to run away. It's a space that is very misunderstood and abused. Really, over time, it always has been. If you look at the Bible and how it explains humanity, you see this. But applied in God's way, the way he designed it, is actually a space of beauty and rest. And I know it's hard to believe that sometimes, especially if we have wounds tied to this. But think about it this way. It is one where we get to give up loads that we carry. We get to give up having everything rest on our shoulders and allow God's created order to reign. Instead of us thinking we have to have it all figured out, do it all, make it all happen, whatever it is we're looking for, and that's usually when we go in and control. That's usually when we go in and try and exert authority improperly or somebody does that. We can trust God's order 
we can trust it and we can let go. Where God, the one who knows all, who made all, and who knows how, to, how everything is meant to work together and how it's created to be together can tell us how to live. It allows us to have limits and be dependent on God and then each other. I certainly have limits. I have limited resources. I have limited knowledge. I have limited understanding, you know, but I have limited strength. Sometimes I fail. But God, he does not. And within the body of Christ, everything we lack, somebody else has. Isn't that incredible? If you look around here, if we're willing to see that we're not everything, that we don't have everything, we're not all that, all that, we're not God, that somebody in here has something you need. And you have something that somebody else needs. And it's incredible. God's order is looking for us to work together to make sure that everything is taken care of in harmony. And submitting to God and to one another is not about someone lording over us. And that's where it's been used inappropriately. It is not about removal of choice or the vibrancy of who you are as an individual. Rather, it is the ultimate form of trust. Submission done well, done in God's way, is the ultimate form of trust. And in submitting to Christ, you are saying, I trust your perfect and good plan and understanding over my imperfect, limited, and broken understanding. This is what you're saying to God when you submit to him. And in saying it to one another, you are saying, I trust the work of the Holy Spirit in you as you use your gifts and talents and things that God has placed in you for the glory of God and the building of the kingdom of God. It's not about lording over. It's not about somebody, you know, pushing you down. It's actually about somebody lifting you up. As we submit to one another, it's about us lifting each other up, not pushing each other down. As we submit to God, as we lift him up, he will lift us up. He will show us what we're made for. It's really incredible. So the first thing we must do when we come to Christ is submit to Jesus as both Savior, both the one who gives us salvation and rescues us from all the ungodly burdens we have, heals us, but not just that, as Lord. As Lord, as the one who knows all, sees all, and can lead us well. And that's where we often struggle, isn't it? We're like, we're ready to run up and say, God, here, I'll give you all my garbage. I'll let you heal me. But when he's like, okay, let me show you the path of life, we're like, I like this one over here better. You know, it's not just Jesus saved me, then I do what I want. Doing what I want is actually what got me in the predicament in the first place, isn't it? Isn't doing what we want what got us in the predicament of sin and brokenness and hurt, wrong decisions in the first place? So when you say yes to Jesus, it's not about doing what you want. It's about letting him be the leader. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ I don't know if any of you guys have seen, like I have kids, so I see memes. Normally I don't spend a lot of time, but have you ever seen the meme where the sheep, there's like a, there's like a farmer trying to pull a sheep out of a ditch full of mud, and, and, the, and the sheep is like head first in this ditch full of mud, and it clearly will die if it stays in there. And he's pulling it out, he wrestles this giant sheep out, he carries it over, he puts it down, and what is the first thing the sheep does? 
He runs right back to the very place where he was about to die. And that's us. That's us. So many times we're like, Jesus, save me. He saves us, and we're like, thanks. And we run right back to what's killing us. You know, because, because we just want to do what we want to do, and if we don't restrain that part, we don't say, I submit to your will over mine. That's what we do. We run back to what is going to kill us, what is going to suffocate the very life he just poured in. And so I encourage each one of you, whatever submission stirs up in you, remember that, that submission to Christ brings life. He wants to pull you out of that pit that is killing you and put you on the path of life. And you have to let him keep guiding you to those green pastures, to the water that never runs dry, to the truth that will fill you up and lead you to life. Jesus says, as his followers, we are a body, bride, a family. We are his church and he is building it. We're the gates of hell can't prevail, where the exclusion and the absence of God can't prevail. And as we read through the New Testament, we can see that our togetherness, us as a body, would be either in chaos or completely meaningless without some form of mutual commitment and accountability. If we didn't have it, if God didn't expect this from us, it would be chaos, wouldn't it? Think of it this way. I'm sure all of you grew up in some sort of family system, you know, somewhere where you're living together with a bunch of people. And when we're all exerting what we want, how orderly is that system? It's terrible. It's usually lots of fighting, lots of chaos. Or nobody talks to each other at all. Everybody just turns their back on each other. God did not want that for his people. He didn't create people to live like that. He created it with order. And in his book, in the Bible, James speaks of wisdom from above and then contrasts it with a warning against this desire for the chaos of individualism. He, he's speaking to it. And so there is a verse, uh, there's a few verses in James 4, and it goes like this. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this? that your passions are at war within you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep, and let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Notice how this is both descriptive and prescriptive, but it's for all of Jesus' followers. This isn't just a few people here and there. We are all to submit to Christ and set aside our sinful nature and desires and follow him. And you know, most people within the body of Christ are fine. Great, that's awesome. We're all called to do this, so that's awesome. But when it it gets down to what we're going to kind of lean into a little bit more today beyond this, is when it gets to the differences introduced in the Bible about how we're to submit and submitting to one another. There are some differences, right? There are people who have different roles within the body of Christ, and it can really challenge us. It can really challenge us when it comes to submitting to one another. And God knew this 
was clearly going to be a struggle because in the New Testament, he actually talks about two essentials around this submission to one another, responsibility and response. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, he says this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So within the body of Christ, as we all submit to Christ, we are one body. We are one family living together, working out life together. And within that body, within this family here, he has entrusted responsibility to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So he's given people different kinds of leadership to build up the body of Christ, to help people make sure they get on the right path, to help people make sure that we are all equipped. And also within this entrusted responsibility, he also expects care and teaching. Care and teaching. And so Acts 20, 28 says this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. In Titus 1.9, it says this, he must hold firm, trustworthy word, uh, uh, sorry, hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so as leaders, people are held to account to make sure they hold to the word of God, that they're leading well, that they're equipping the body of Christ. And people are set up as leaders. In the word, it says there are people who are, are given these different roles within the body. And as leaders within the church, we steward imperfectly yet submitted. We are to, um, there is an equal call for us as the church to offer a respected response. So those who are leading me, God is asking me to respect them. They're going to do it imperfectly. There's going to be times where we're going to disagree, but I can respectfully walk out following them because God has put them in a place where they're to lead me. Like Pastor Jason and Lori, we don't always think exactly alike. There's things that I've disagreed on or they've disagreed with me, but at the end of the day, they're the ones leading Life Center, and I am following them. Do we talk about it in a way that's ungodly? Do I go behind their back and mutter about them? Do I tear them down? Or do I choose to go to them and talk it out, but at the end of the day, recognize that they're my leader and say, okay, unless you're asking me to do something against God, I can follow you. I can respect you. And so God is asking us to follow respectfully. In the Bible, he talks about it. And interestingly, we'll find ourselves as we grow in Christ often in both both leading and following. As we mature, much like Jeff was saying, you know, we'll be given more authority, more opportunity to lead. We should be bringing people alongside us and teaching them about who Christ is and how to live in Christ. And so we will be doing both following and leading together, offering a respected response and also giving opportunity for somebody to follow us and offering submission and elevating somebody else. In Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13, it says this, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace amongst yourselves. And in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will, who will give account 
let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So those leading will give an account for how they lead. I believe it's for any level of leadership. We get to stand before God and give an account for how we led others as they follow Christ, for how we told people who God is, how we shared his heart, how we helped people find their way. But also as followers, we need to remember that, you know, the people we're following are doing their best, so don't make it hard on them. (laughs) You know, don't make it hard on them. Come alongside, ask questions, and there should be room as you follow for you to ask questions, for you to have conversations about things you don't understand or disagree on. But we need to do this with love and respect with each other. As leaders steward their responsibility in love and respect, the church needs to do the same as they follow. And the picture of health in the New Testament is entrusted responsibility and respectful response. So what does humble leadership look like? Where are the limits? And I think we've all encountered when leadership isn't done well, when it's not humble, when it's been broken, and it leaves a wound, doesn't it? It leaves us feeling hurt or wounded or struggling. But Jesus showed us that we are to be foot washers as leaders, that leaders should be coming under and serving They shouldn't be lording over because what did Jesus do? He washed his disciples' feet. He laid his life down. So that's what leadership looks like. It looks like laying our life down for one another. If a leader is not serving, then they're not leading well. That is the limit. If a leader is all about power and rule and you just doing whatever they say whenever they say it, that's not proper leadership. That's not serving. That's outside the boundary of godly leadership. But when a leader comes and is serving, you can see their heart of love. You can tell when they truly love you, when they're inviting you along on the journey. That is true leadership. Luke 22, 26 says this, Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, the leader as one who serves. There's another limit as well. There's another boundary. A leader is not infallible and is not to be put up on a pedestal. A leader is not to be seen as like Christ. They're not to be elevated above. We are all actually together in the family on equal playing field. The leader is not above anyone but a sibling, a sibling. It says this in Matthew 23, 8 to 12. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher. And you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be a servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We are all equals as humans before God. So me as a pastor, I'm your sister. I've been given a role within the body of Christ, but I'm no higher or lower, but equal as your sister. All made right by salvation Christ offers us, all called to live a submitted life to God. And when we choose to follow God, 
and let him be Lord, he says, you are adopted into his family and each have a role in the body of Christ, primarily, first and foremost, as a son or daughter. See, in my family, I have six kids. I know many of you know this already, and each child is equally as valued. They have same standing before me. I don't have a favorite. None of them are more important to me than the other. But they each are expected to respect us and live within the boundaries that we set within the family, within the household. The exact same. We ask them all to follow the boundaries that we give. Each child, though, has different gifts, strengths, desires, talents, goals, and is also at different points in their growth and maturity. Some are just stepping into being alone at home when we, when we leave. Others live on their own. They've already left the home. So within the structure of the family, based on all of these things, we give children different roles and responsibilities. And within that, they are expected to respect the roles given to the others. When left in charge, older children were never to be the parents. I never asked my older kids to be the parent. I asked them to be an older sibling helping to care for the younger sibling. And when they overstepped that boundary, I would say, you're not the parent. I'm not asking you for, to, for you to have that role. I'm asking you to be a sibling, caring for your sibling. When left in charge, they were there to guide and to lead the other children to stay safe and to live within the boundaries of what we have set for the household and to be respectful. The ones who were in charge were expected to do so with the heart of serving the well-being of the whole family and the individuals that they were leading. And the ones who were not in charge were expected to follow with the same heart. They are mutually responsible to each other as well. When one suffers, they would often all suffer. If one of them was like struggling with something or having a hard time or really losing it, the whole family feels it. Don't don't you guys know, you know, when one kid is really losing it at the house, the whole family's like, <sighs> you know, you can feel it. Everybody's like, oh, I'm going to go to my room now, you know, like, okay. You know, when one is selfish, we all feel it, right? When one kid in the household or if us as parents are selfish, the whole family feels it. When one oversteps in authority, it brings chaos. It brings hurt. And it is exactly the same in the family of God. We are God's children. He is in charge. And he is raising us to become mature and whole. He gives responsibilities, resources, and talents to each one of us as we grow and guides us how to serve the greater good of the family with it. We are to work together serving each other in all the ways that we have been talking about already throughout the summer. Generosity, forgiveness, love, kindness, compassion, bearing with one another, harmony and acceptance, and on and on. It is not about one being higher or better or greater than the other. It's about God just distributing different roles within the body of Christ, fitting to how we're made and what he's asking us to do and where we are in our journey. So if you can see it that way, it actually helps kind of take out some of the tensions that come with who we all are and where we're all positioned. It's a family doing what family needs to do. And if we're doing it lovingly, it's actually an incredible space to live in. And it will lift, and it will be healing, and it will bring wholeness to your life. This is accountability. Mutual submission 
at its heart is accountability for how we use what we've been given, how we care for each other. Servant leaders steward their entrusted responsibility to equip and care for and teach the body of Christ. And servant followers uh, steward their respected response from love and esteem and peace to grow the church. And the mutual relationship of responsibility and respect, it has defined limits. Leaders are not infallible. They're not to be on a pedestal. So just remember that, please. You know, if somebody's trying to elevate themselves up over you, you can have a conversation about that. Work it out, because that's not the way it's meant to be. The leader is never above the church, and the church is never above the leader. Both are equal and called to submit to Christ. And while we carry out our different roles for which we are accountable to carry out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And really, these principles for today, for our church relationship that we've talked about, they go into all our relationships, our family life, how we work together at work, you know, how government, how we work with government, these things, these principles of serving one another, if you implement it into your marriage, into your family, it changes things completely. It really does. I've watched it in my own family as we serve one another. We are entrusted with responsibilities, respected responses, and healthy accountability. Here is the most Taken, uh, most important takeaway we can take with us. We read the scripture earlier, but in a different, uh, a different um, version. So let's read this one together. Just listen to it. You are cheating on God if all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get. You end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose that God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he is fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before your master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Really, when it comes down to it, if all in the church will stay on their knees before the master. Submission isn't even an issue. We'll just love and serve each other because we'll be so in love with our Jesus. The more I submit myself to Christ, the more I just want to love people. The more I look at each one of you and I'm just in awe of who God has made. He dismantles my selfish ambitions and shows me that all the stuff out there comes and goes. Power and stuff and all that I want, it'll fade. But his way never will. 
And you know, if the church refuses to submit, submission doesn't even matter anymore because we'll just be going after what we want. So I know this is a challenging subject. Challenges me every time. But don't be afraid of a challenge. Let yourself be challenged. Ask the hard questions because this is where you'll grow. So my question to you is, am I trying to have salvation without submission? Do I want the perks without the price? I know we can't buy our salvation. That is free, 100%. But salvation without actually knowing and following our Christ you with an empty life. It's a moment of feeling free back into all the bondage. So I challenge you today, as hard as this subject is, as heavy as it can feel, don't be afraid to submit. God is good. And he is actually only good. He never changes from being good. You can trust him. You can give him that full trust that he's asking for without fear. It'll feel scary, but he will always deliver. Always. My other questions to you are this. Ask yourself, how can I serve the family of God better in areas that I lead? This can include parenting. It can include as a child, following your parents. It can include in your workplaces. And then you can ask this, how can I serve in the areas that I follow? How can I serve better in the areas that I'm following in? Am I being obstinate, stubborn, selfish, petty? Am I digging my heels in? Let's take some time this week to let God go there. So we're going to take a minute and we're going to go before the Holy Spirit and ask him just a minute because really this is about living it out. This isn't just about a moment. Sometimes things come in a moment, but this is a daily grinding it out. We're going to ask our family step this week is Ask the Holy Spirit where there has been rebellion in your heart. Then ask God to forgive you and invite the Holy Spirit to humble your heart and help you submit fully to Him. So let's pause for a second and invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you and your conviction because your conviction is actually what leads us to life. It shows us where the boundaries are and, and helps us to live on the path that leads to life abundant. So Holy Spirit, I ask you for me, for each one of us, to put your finger on areas where we may be in rebellion against you. 
We may be digging in our heels, not wanting to submit, avoiding something maybe that you're asking us to do. Holy Spirit, convict us. Invite us in to that holy place of submission. plugged our ears and looked away from you when you've talked to us where we said yeah yeah and then gone on our way and done our own thing where we haven't submitted to one another and lived in a loving way with each other forgive us teach us your ways God show us the upright way to live Jesus' name.